G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As you know, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull has basically confirmed he intends to hold a double dissolution election on the 2nd of July. Mr Turnbull was speaking at a construction site in Canberra yesterday and he said he had a, in his words, strong expectation of an election on that date but added that he would wait until after the May 3rd budget to speak to Governor-General Sir Peter Cosgrove. Well, on Monday night, the Senate voted down the reformation of the Australian Building and Construction Commission, which handed Mr Turnbull the trigger for a double dissolution election. Mr Turnbull said the election was about giving the people their say after the bill failed to pass Parliament for a second time, and so... An unofficial 75-day election cycle has begun. Family First Senator Bob Day is one of the crossbench senators that may lose his seat in a double dissolution election. He's also behind a challenge to the recent changes to Senate voting laws in the High Court. Well, Family First has a significant historic Christian foundation and the loss of a balanced voice in the Senate on the crossbench would mean a diminished Christian voice in important legislation. Senator Bob Day is joining us now. Good morning, Senator. Yes, good morning. Senator, how do you feel about the likely double dissolution election date? Well, it'll be subject, uh, I think, to the results of the High Court challenge. Um, The Electoral Commissioner and, uh, and others have indicated that it would be wise to wait until the results of the uh, High Court uh, case uh, is known before the uh, the Prime Minister does actually officially call um, a double dissolution election. Uh, the interesting thing with dates there is that uh, May the 2nd and 3rd is a, a significant time when the High Court is likely to hear that challenge or bring down its finding about that challenge. Uh, There is a little bit of leeway after that, but you'd like to see the High Court rule on this issue before the budget. Uh, No, the the Prime Minister hasn't actually until uh, May the 12th. Um, He has until then to call a double dissolution election. Um, After that date, um, the uh, the window uh, is gone. So we're expecting that um, the High Court will hand down its decision uh, sometime between hearing the case on... May the 2nd and 3rd and May the 12th. Now, I know it's a pretty um, tight time frame, but um, indications are that they will... They they see this case as significant enough, and bear in mind it's going before the full bench of the High Court. Uh, It's gone through two directions hearing. The Chief Justice himself is actually handling the matter, and um, he has listed it for uh, trial, if you like, uh, before the full bench on the 2nd and 3rd of May, and we are expecting a decision by the 12th. Senator, what if the Prime Minister officially calls the election before those results in this case have been heard? Well, then he runs the risk, of course, that if there's an adverse finding, that if um, the High Court finds in my favour and finds that these new Senate voting laws are invalid, 
then that will throw the whole election um, uh, into into chaos, really, uh, because under which rules will the election be... um, um, you know, uh, occur. Um, the electoral commissioner would um, wouldn't know what what type of ballot papers to issue and what sort of instructions. Whether it's one to six above the line or just one above the line. Whether there'll be group voting tickets uh, and so on. So I think it's um, it's it's important enough that I that I would think that the prime minister will wait until the twelfth. And and bear in mind that you know what's at stake here. There are. Three million voters in Australia now who do not vote for major parties, and basically my case is that I'm defending their rights. Um, their rights have been taken away. Um, they no longer have the the option of, of delegating to their favourite minor party, like Family First, for example, uh, the distribution of their preferences. Um, the, the minor party vote is rising, obviously, because people are becoming more and more disillusioned and uh, disenchanted with the major parties. And I ask myself, and I ask others, you know, at what point, how how low does the major party vote have to fall before they realise that they can't keep claiming 100% of the seats? At the moment, major parties are getting about 70-odd percent of the vote, but they ne- they want 100% of the seats. Uh, will it drop to 60, 50% of the vote and still demand 100% of the seats? I don't think so. And you say that the Chief Justice French believes the case has enough merit to be heard by the full court. Uh, when you get the impression from some commentators that somehow or other your High Court challenge will simply be brushed aside, uh, that's clearly not the impression of the Chief Justice. Not at all. In fact, uh, the Solicitor General uh, representing the Commonwealth at the first directions hearing tried to have all my arguments uh, struck out on the first day of the hearing and um, the the Chief Justice was having none of that and um, um, issued directions and orders that um, each and every item needed to be uh, responded to, submissions made, um, and it was clear that each of the, the arguments that I put forward uh, regarding the uh, potential disenfranchisement um, of uh, these three million voters, the fact that voting above the line now is a completely different method uh, of voting. We're no longer voting for um, uh, senators or, or directly choosing senators. We, Under these new voting laws, you're actually voting for uh, parties um, and also the, the mathematics of the way it's calculated. And there are a number of issues that I've raised uh, in the case, and the, the the Chief Justice has indicated that each one of these needs to be responded to. And it was interesting at the last directions hearing last Friday uh, in the High Court in Canberra uh, that the, the the Commonwealth, the government, was was much more um, accommodating and um, cooperative in in regards to these various submissions. So they accept now that this will go before the full bench on the 2nd and possibly into the 3rd of May, if necessary, uh, to be heard. Is it the case that in the current system, 
at least while we might recognise there are some anomalies that will sometimes filter through and there'll be some uh, some uh, different ways that uh, that some senators would be elected. But the idea of a new partial preference system hasn't yet been tested and it may actually show uh, that there could be some level of threat to our democracy. Is that is that a, a fair way of, of assessing that? Uh, uh, yes, it is. Um, I mean, democracy is a representation of majority rules, the representation uh, by the people in the parliament. And when you see the, 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 the votes for minor parties and independents rising all the time, and the, basically what happened at the last election, to answer your question, is the, the major parties saw what was happening, that 25% of the, the, the population were now voting for someone other than them. So the first thing they did was formed a, what they called a joint standing committee on electoral matters. First item on the agenda, how do we get rid of these impertinent interlopers, these new um, minor parties that have um, encroached on our turf. So they, um, they were unanimous in their, um, in their decision of what to do, and that was to basically scrap uh, the group voting ticket, which um, means that if you vote for your favourite minor party, it could be the Cyclist Party, it could be Australian Christians, it could be Family First or, or the climate change sceptics, whichever was your favourite minor party, if they were not elected, then your vote then transferred to your second uh, favourite party. And we had what was called a single transferable vote. And one of the, one of the, great, the unique features of the Australian electoral system is that um, your vote never dies. We, we, we're the only English-speaking country in the world that has compulsory voting. We're the only English-speaking country that forces everybody to vote. But the trade-off is your vote never dies. Um, if you're the first person you vote for doesn't get in, you can then transfer that vote to your second favourite person. If they don't get in, you can transfer it then to your third favourite and so on until your vote reaches somebody that uh, it could be your third, fourth or 24th favourite person, but then your vote always counts. And a few times I've mentioned when people highlight the very low primary vote or or first preference votes that some candidates get, I I received about 4% primary vote. First preference votes was about 4% but I received about 14% of votes from second and third and fourth preferences. And I, it, it reminded me of my day, younger days when I played football, when in all my years of playing football, not once did I ever get best on ground. I never got a first preference vote. And in fact, if I was truthful, I don't think I ever got a second preference. But I do remember getting lots and lots of third preferences, lots of one votes. And in a season, it is possible to... They all add up. They all count towards a medal at the end of the year. And I say this is the Australian system where it doesn't matter whether you get first, second, third or fourth preference votes. They all add up. And if you've got enough of those votes um, at the end of the count, then you can be elected. Family First Senator Bob Day is our guest. Uh, Senator, let me ask you about the big ethical moral issue which is on the horizon And there is an election that is coming and the likelihood being uh, early July. 
the idea that there will be a plebiscite beyond the election set in place by the coalition government uh, was with the reasoning that it would separate this issue of same-sex marriage from an election which would focus on economic issues. Uh, Of course, uh, if people vote for the Labor Party in the upcoming election, uh, then the promise is from Bill Shorten that there'll be a vote on same-sex marriage in the Parliament within 100 days. I just note that you're not so sure that even if the coalition is elected, that that, that, that plebiscite will go ahead. What are your thoughts on, on the plebiscite and on same-sex marriage? Well, nothing's guaranteed in politics, I can tell you that much. Um, I've seen enough of it now from the inside. There's no guarantee that if the coalition were to be elected that there would, that there would be a plebiscite. Um, they can change their mind. Um, um, one of the ministers said that... Um, Following this election, the Prime Minister intends to, and I think the quote was, stamp his authority on party policy. Uh, We know where he stands on this, and I wouldn't be so sure that there will be a plebiscite, um, even if the coalition were to be elected, that that all sorts of um, circumstances have changed since we said that, and it's very expensive, and it's overwhelming. This is what people want. It's the... um, it's the trend, it's the, it's the vibe, it's all those things. So they may just go straight for legislation, knowing that they've got the numbers with Labor and the Greens um, in the Parliament to pass legislation without a plebiscite. So I wouldn't be so sure. What I hear you saying is that if Malcolm Turnbull is elected and uh, perhaps with a double dissolution, a change in the Senate and however that might uh, work out, what you're saying is if he has his own mandate, he may bypass uh, this idea, this mechanism of a plebiscite and simply legislate same-sex marriage. He may well do. The, um, circumstances change, events uh, overtake um statements and all sorts of things happen in politics. I've seen it before and I wouldn't be surprised if I saw it again on this occasion, which would be um, a real tragedy because I think this is one of the foundational uh, issues of society and I don't think changing the Marriage Act um, before we understand the consequences or the effect on children's rights, uh, on, on parents' rights, on the effect it would have on free speech, would people still be free to um, express their views on this topic, um, the effect on religious freedom? There are a number of um, unknowns and uh, consequences and effects of changing the Marriage Act which need to be fully explored, um, and hence that's why I think a plebiscite and a public campaign uh, would be an effective way of, of airing those um, those views would would be a good thing, but I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure it would happen. Senator, with the election looming, uh, the idea of a left-leaning Prime Minister and the alternatives left-leaning too, if you talk about the Labor Party and the Greens, how important is it uh, for people who have a Christian conscience, uh, people who are concerned about moral and ethical issues and believe that their vote does count uh, when it comes to making a mark on society, uh, how do you think they ought to be thinking about those parties and many Many of those parties and a lot of minor parties that would claim a, a sound Christian foundation, uh, that they actually may be the way that a conservative vote ought to go. What, what are your thoughts on voting conservative in the upcoming election? 
Well, I think having alternate views in the parliament is, is in, in itself a good thing. Um, there's an old saying, if, if you're not adding value, you're adding cost. And I would ask you know, an objective question. Does the crossbench add uh, value or cost? And I have pointed a number of times to the fact that it was, has been the independents and minor parties crossbenchers who... Um, who supported the government's key election policies after the last election where they wanted to abolish the mining tax, abolish the carbon tax, uh, strengthen border protection, stopping votes and so on. These were all policies. All of those were opposed by Greens and Labor, but the crossbench, which were by and large a conservative group, all supported all those. Um, and for the, the Liberal Party... Um, to then team up with the Greens, of all people, the ones who oppose their laws, to team up with the, the Greens to pass laws, change the Senate voting laws, to get rid of the very people who helped them pass those election laws, I think was pretty, pretty rough. Um, An interesting event happened on Monday where the, the nation's truck drivers, owner drivers, who were threatened with extinction because of um, um, a truck the truck drivers tribunal which was setting pay rates threatened the livelihoods of a whole lot of um, family-owned trucking firms all descended on canberra and within one day the law was changed to abolish this tribunal now that was an initiative from the crossbench had um, the, the, the crossbenchers independents not raised this matter and insisted that this law be changed um, the, the government was saying oh look if we're re-elected we'll look at it then we insisted, no, it needs to be changed now, and so on. There have been a number of, of, of matters and issues in the parliament that crossbenchers have raised and continue to agitate for. So I think it's very, very important that we don't go down this track of um, a, a political cartel where we'll end up like the American system with just two major parties. Now, I know the natural order of things in society is for duopolies where, you know, you have two supermarkets, you have two airlines, we'd have two banks if there wasn't a law against it, and two political parties. So they've passed Senate voting laws now, which reduces it just to three parties. That's Liberal, Labor, or LNP, Labor, and Greens. And who's to say that after the next election that uh, the LNP and Labor won't get together to pass more Senate voting laws to get rid of the Greens? So they would just end up with just a two-party system and I don't think that's good for democracy. Well, Senator Bob Day, family first senator, uh, good getting your insights into the issues as they unfold. And uh, I'd hope we have another opportunity during the election campaign. Senator Day, thanks for joining us today Anytime, on 2020. Neil, it's my pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.